we have been in a series in the book of Ruth. This is the fourth week. And I'm, I've been, I'm always uh, alert to the name Ruth because most of you know that that's the name of my mother. Uh, and so I, every time I hear it, it's, it's just dear to me and I love this book. In the Old Testament, you, you can see pictures of Jesus throughout. In fact, you can see the salvation message, the gospel. You can even see that all throughout the, the Old Testament. And, and all of these books are themed. The theme of the book of Ruth is actually called the, our kinsman redeemer. And that's kind of what we covered last week. But this, this Sunday morning is when all of this kind of, uh, it comes together and it makes sense. How many of you, without even raising your hand, you don't have to say anything, but, but how many of you have actually been at a place before in your life and, and, and you didn't understand what was going on um, in your life? And like I talked about about two weeks ago, you, you, you didn't know where God was. I mean, are, are you unaware of what's going on? And so, you know, just going back for just a moment, this is what this lady Naomi had gone through with. She had lost her husband, and then within 10 years, she lost both of her sons who were married but didn't have any children. And her two daughter-in-laws was the only ones left, and, and, and she finally convinced one of them to leave, but one of them, Ruth, would not leave. She would not leave. She loved her mother like it was her own mother. She was her own mother. And, and Ruth, I mean, Naomi, rather, quickly had the reputation and the attitude of just being bitter. She didn't understand. She thought God was mad at her. In fact, if y'all remember, and I'm going to say y'all, okay, uh, they say y'all in Nightdale, don't they? See there? So, uh, now, now, wait a minute. I got to make an, uh, an exception there. Brother Eric is from Maryland. I've been to Maryland. Y'all don't hang around up there long, so I, I, I know you all heard me say she referred to uh, God as the Almighty, but she referred to him in the way that, that he had uh, judged her or, or he had been punishing her. And so I want to just go right there and tell you that God was in the middle of all this all the time. Now, we got a lot going on today, so y'all going to have to kind of hone in on this, okay? Because if you don't, you're going to get robbed big time. What I mean by honing in and zeroing in, you can't worry about all the moving going around. And Hey, listen, if I'm not worried about stuff and preoccupied, you don't need to be worrying about it. You need to look up here on the screen because this right here might make all the difference in your life this day and the rest of your life. So are we all okay with that? I just know what happens. See, I know the devil. I know this is great time for him to preoccupy people. Your stomach's growling. You're worried. You got to go into work. You, all this kind of stuff. So just listen because what God wants to tell us all will help you more than anything else going on in this building. Amen, brother. So we, we have... We have Ruth, and we have Boaz, and we have Naomi, and Ruth has gone up to the threshing floor to let Naomi know, I mean, to let uh, Boaz know that
that she is ready to be redeemed. Her husband's dead, she's childless, and she served him. God's given her favor at the threshing floor, supplied their need, and, and now she's available if she can be uh, bought or, or taken in all of her things as, as his wife. So she made it known. Now, if we go to, if we go to verse chapter 4, verse 1, then we're going to find out what happened because Boaz had a relative that was closer to Naomi. And those of you that don't know about this, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, he had relatives, and the way the Jewish custom was of this time that if a brother died, the next closest kin, if it was a brother or whatever, would take and marry that, that widow and not leave his name, the dead man's name, uh, as, as no more. The, the, in, the inheritance would carry on, but also their name. See, these people cared a lot about their name. And it's taken me a little while, but I, I don't want to get into chapter 4 and nobody know what's going on. You know, it's like jumping in the middle of a Netflix movie, man. You know, you might catch the end of it, but how did we get here? So, uh, I'm telling you today, this thing is all God's doing. What God was doing, the whole time the lady was miserable and she was bitter, God was about to revive the name of her husband and going to honor the name of, of one of her sons and God was going to con continue to fulfill his word. And so the other relative said, I, I, can't, I can't do this and this, I can't do it so Boaz, you can do this. And I want to read this to you because you'll understand it better if we all read it together. So Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend. Sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And, and I, I'm sorry. I seem like I'm all over. But I, I have not prayed. God, would you anoint me today? Help us all to hear. Help me to hear. Help me to receive, God, and help us to go out of here with the word in our heart so we don't sin against you. In Jesus' name, amen. And verse 2 says, And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down along with the, the other relative. Verse 3, Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Verse 5, Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, 
to perpetuate or carry on the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relatives spoke up at that moment when he realized what all had to happen and said, I can't redeem it for myself lest I ruin my own family. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself for I cannot do it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and he gave it to the other and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal and Boaz said to the, to the elders, and all the people, you are my witnesses this day that I have brought or bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired, excuse me, as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And they, verse 11 says, they said, yes, sir, you've done it the right way. You hadn't tried to backdoor him and get a younger woman and carry on this inheritance. No other kind of ways. Make sure your volume's okay, fellas. You need to make sure that you do it the right way and you did it the right way and, and that's exactly what went down. He didn't cut corners. He didn't go around and try to say, well, let's wait till the other closest relatives out. Because see, he really wanted her. Boaz really wanted her because she had already proven what kind of virtuous woman she was. And then that took place. It, it was kind of like, a legal transaction with the sandal and with taking the ten elders. It was all done the right way, and that's what Jesus did for us. He did it all the right way. He didn't say, do everything but put a spear in my side. Praise be to God, he did it all the right way. You're getting ahead of yourself, preacher. But what I need to do before I do anything else, I need to tell you how the story probably ended. So... Boaz, after doing things the right way, he and Ruth were married and they had a child. And when they had a child, they were so excited about this. And the women even of the town began to, now you got to listen while you watch, but the women began to call Naomi blessed by the Lord and blessed be to the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And they went on to tell her, and may he be, now they're talking to Naomi, may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you is better to you than seven sons. And this is what makes this story kind of come together so good. Then the Bible says that Naomi actually took the child and she cared for the child and she became the child's nurse and she held it close. And, and the Bible tells us in the 17th verse that all of the women of that town told Naomi, 
we're going to call the name of this baby. Now, the daddy didn't do it. The mama didn't do it. The grandma didn't do it. But the ladies of the town said, we're going to name this baby uh, Obed because Obed was a, 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 was a gift back to Naomi. And you've never heard that happen before, but that's exactly what happened. So everything that happened in Naomi's life up until that moment, it had all vanished and it had all ceased and it was no more because what happened in her life is the same thing that's happened in many people's lives in this church today and what can happen in everybody's life. And there's six things I quickly want to show you that took place in the closing of this story that you need to make sure you try your best to hold tight and close to your heart. The first thing is actually found in verse 6. And I want you to know, number one, that none of us in here, you are not capable, just like the close relative, you are not capable of redeeming your own self. Doesn't matter how good you are, how much you know, how much money you have, or where you've been, you cannot save yourself. You cannot do good works and get saved. You can't cease from never saying a cuss word, drinking or smoking, and get on God's good side because you were born into this world with sin on you and in you and labeled and attached to you. There's only one way you can get out from under the wrath of God. I thought God loved me. God does love you. That's why he sent Jesus. But unrepented, unforgiven sin, unredeemed sin... God's going to pour his wrath out. And the only way you can get out from under the eternal wrath of God is to be redeemed. And you can't do that yourself. The next thing that happened, God confirmed our redemption with the Holy Spirit. A while ago, that's verse 7, he took off a sandal and gave it. And that was to say, I'm serious. This is my guarantee. I'm really going to pay. I'm really going to do. I'm going to fulfill the obligation. And this is my commitment. This is my word, my guarantee. Well, God loved you so much. He didn't just give his only son, but I'm standing here preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now because God gave a guarantee. God didn't take a sandal off, but he sent the third person in the Trinity on the day of Pentecost, and he said, listen, I'm sending him. He's going to be a comforter. He's also going to show you when things aren't right and things aren't real and things are wrong, but he's also going to convict, and he's also going to serve as my promise and my guarantee that everything I said in my word I would do for you he's going to make sure you know that well how do we know because the Bible tells us in the book of Acts beginning in chapter 2 but many other places that after what we celebrate Easter and after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus 50 days later we hear about this the day of Pentecost took place and it poured out from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it fell and we know that it was like the Bible uses the word cloven tongues of fire but it's like their mouths were on fire because God was fulfilling his word and we see that even back here in the fourth chapter of Ruth God was wanting you to make sure I'm not going to just say hey you got to get saved and believe in my son I'm going to send you a helper that's going to help you walk right that's going to help you say things the right way that's going to help you make the right decisions hang around the right friends do the right kind of 
things that makes you, even when your flesh wants to go this way, I'm going to send you the guarantee that I am with you, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to give you and send you my spirit, and that is my word, my guarantee. That's the same thing God did. That's the same way as God taking off his sandal, but in a greater way. God made sure that when you are saved, you're not swimming in the water by yourself. And many people here today, one of the worst things I ever hear from a person that says I'm saved or I was baptized, you know, all the little lingo, all the stuff, or I was christened, all the little cute sayings, or I was dedicated, we do that. One of the worst things that I, I ever hear, and don't say this if you say this, if you identify as a believer, well, I'm trying to do my best. That's so contrary to the word of God. But I fail, I fall. I know you do. I know I do. This Bible right here knows you. This Holy Spirit that I'm preaching about right this minute that Joe's been preaching about on Wednesday, teaching about. Listen, God knows that, but you don't try to live right. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength because you fall today that's why you have grace that's unmerited favor of God that's why you have the Holy Spirit because while you're in the world I read it this morning in my devotional that you're gonna have tribulation John 16 33 as sure as you're breathing you're going to have tribulation but Jesus didn't leave us hanging he said but you can be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And here's the good news, church. That same overcoming power that Jesus was referring to that he was able to overcome the world with is the same power and spirit that you all have access to right now. So you don't have to try to live right. Sometimes I'm walking and I slip and I fall, but I get back up. How do you get back up, preacher? Because it's the spirit of Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit inside of me that says, I know you did, but come on, it ain't over yet. Brush off and keep walking. Does that give me permission to keep falling? No, because I do everything in my power to keep from falling, to keep from looking twice to keep from saying, well, I just need it one more time, this one time. These guys and a lot of other people say, it don't work that way. You don't just do it one time to get you out of a bind. You do it and the dog always returns to his vomit. We do this stuff, church. We do it. But when you say, I'm not trying to live right, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and today's a new day. I'm going to live in Jesus. I'm going to try my best to do everything within my human power and I know I said try but you got to understand the way I mean it I'm going to do everything in my human power to stay away shun the very appearance of evil but what I can't do the spirit of God the Holy Spirit is going to rise up inside of me and do those things so I'm not trying to live right I'm going to live right and when I fall down or when I mess up I've got a comforter I've got a convictor I've got a way maker I've got a seal inside of me that says hey we know all this but we're going to keep on doing it Monday's tomorrow and you've got a new agenda on hand so God took his sandal off big time for you. 
You're not just saved and holding your breath or crossing your fingers. God's already took the sandal off. You don't have to worry about doing that anymore. Number three, Jesus was your purchase price. And the Holy Ghost, as I said, was the guarantee. Jesus was your purchase price. We don't know what the, the monetary amount was, the transaction that took place between Boaz and all of the, the land or whatever the belongings were of Elimelech or Ruth's husband. But we do know this, that 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that Jesus did not think it was robbery to leave the throne of heaven and step down here and be born as a baby in a manger. He didn't think that God was shafting him. The Father was treating him wrong. He, he came for the joy. The Bible says, listen, the joy of the cross that was before him. He came. He called being nailed, being whipped, spikes in his hair, being spit, being stripped naked in front of his mama and a bunch of other people on a hill. He said he did all that and he used the word, I did it for the joy that's coming because of all this. Jesus was your purchase price 2,000 years ago. See, blood of lambs and rams and all these other animals and birds over the years, priests and Levites, scribes, all of this was carried out, but it could never satisfy the righteous requirement that God required. Sin had to be taken care of once and for all. And God did love you so much that he said, well, I'm going to do more than just a little bird here. I'm going to let my only begotten son come down here and pay for it. And then I know that I will be satisfied. The sin cost in your life was satisfied when Jesus went to the cross. So you are worth more than the devil's ever told you you are worth or you are not worth. You're worth a whole lot more than you've ever been told you are. Just like Boaz bought Ruth and all of the belongings, Jesus Christ. God bought you through the blood of his son Jesus. You are valuable, friend. You are, you are worth more than rubies, than gold, than diamonds, than any amount of money, than any title, than any group, than any occupation. You are far worth more. And the devil will tell you on some mornings you ain't worth anything. You're, you're, you're scum. They don't like you. He'll try to make you do the, the measuring systems of this world. But I'm telling you, God beat him 2,000 years ago because he spent the most, the most valuable thing he could on you so you could know Jesus Christ so you could be purged and washed from sin and not have to spend this life in misery trying to make yourself happy and all of eternity in a hell that was not designed for you Jesus was the cost that was paid for you number four Boaz had witnesses concerning his transaction we're about to turn one of them curves I talk about can anybody, this is verse 11, by the way, can anybody vouch for your transaction? Does anybody besides you and Jesus know that you've said the sinner's prayer? 
Have you got ten witnesses to say, yeah, I knew that boy. I knew that girl. I knew them. But listen, I know they're not the same person. There's some Jesus inside of them that I've never seen before. Can anybody vouch for you that you are redeemed, that you're saved? You're not the same man. You don't look the same. You don't talk the same. You don't even carry yourself the same way. The same things don't even matter to you anymore. Can anybody vouch for you? that you've been bought, that you belong to Jesus and only Jesus. Worst thing in the world, worst thing in the world is you have the attitude a lot of people have of just flying under the radar. Man, you were paid for with too much blood to fly under a radar. You want to come out here and you want everybody to know, I'm not him anymore. Listen, I've been bought. I belong to Jesus Christ. I don't belong to this world. You need to shout it from the rooftops like that song we sing. I know that I'm saved and I know that I am. He paid for you, and somebody besides you and Jesus needs to know that. We're overcome by the word of our testimony. You need more than ten witnesses. You need thousands of people to know I'm not the same. Look, you might not want to talk to me. You might unfriend me. You might drop me. You might make smirk comments. You might send an emoji about me. But I don't care because, see, I belong to somebody else. I have been bought. I am part of a royal family. Take that on. I don't just live over there. I, I'm part of a royal family. I, I, in fact, we are peculiar people, see. We don't want to get involved in that stank you in that you think's all that. We don't want none of that. I am part, and it doesn't mean we, don't, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. You can be around all day long and, and it not change, and because a person that's in the world but not of the world, they understand that Jesus Christ is beside me 24-7. How do you know that? Because he put a guarantee in the whole arrangement. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can think nobody's watching you when you're on your phone. Are you in a car? Are you in an office? Are you in a room? Are you at home? And nobody's gotten home yet. But I'm telling you what, if you've called on the all-seeing eye, Jesus Christ, he's not going to leave you. You can say, hey, go get you some tea. I want to do some mess for a minute. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Folks, you were paid for, and you were bought, and I was bought. And people in this world need to know, I'm not that. We're not trying to bring attention to ourselves, but I am not ashamed. I'm going to say it again for two weeks in a row. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm also not ashamed of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed that I'm not that redneck from Rockingham. Well, I might still be a redneck to people, but I'm not doing the foolish mess I used to do in the 80s back then because I've been bought you see I don't belong anymore to myself Boaz has bought me and I'm his now I'm laying at his feet like she did in the story last week I want him to know I want you to have me and nobody else I want to help continue this legacy I want to carry the cross of Jesus Christ Lord you don't have to wait and see if another Billy Graham I'm going to be your Billy Graham you're going to be the Billy you're going to be Paul you're going to be Luke you're going to be Matthew you're going to be Stephen God I'm here and I'm your and I'm at your disposal until you take my life. So, the fifth thing is, 
God will bless you. If you'll let him buy you. See, all of that come together. That baby and everything that Boaz had, it was, listen to this, it was not only Ruth's and that baby Obed, which was the father of Jesse, which was the father of David. Jesus was born of the line of the tribe of Judah through the lineage of David, and God said it way back in the Old Testament many, many times. So see, God was using an unusual circumstance to carry out his plan. And I'm telling you, if your life seems wopsided this morning, God may be right smack dab in the middle of doing something that you just cannot see it coming. You can't see anything good coming out of it, but he's on the throne. He don't sleep. He don't slumber. He's not a God that changes his mind. His word is the same yesterday as it is today, as it's going to be tomorrow and a thousand years from now. So what's going on in your world right now? God may be right there where he needs to be and you need to be, and all of the things that God has, if you will listen to me this morning and let Jesus Christ buy you. What do you mean by? I mean if you'll say, I don't want my life anymore. I'm going to break it down right here. I don't want the way I came into this church or I logged on to this broadcast. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to spend the rest of Sunday, let alone start Monday like that. I want a brand new life. Nobody can give you that but Jesus and if you say Jesus I was baptized I did say the Lord's prayer I did memorize Psalm 100 in John 3 16 but I've never let you have me I've never let you be the Lord of my life the owner of everything about me to call all the shots and today I pushed everything off the table I don't want to just know you and know the Bible and know about salvation I want you to have me I want every passion in my life to be fulfilled in what you want and what you desire. If you don't have that kind of experience, you can't listen to me. You can be saved and have that this morning. If you will let God buy you one time real good, then God will bless you. Now, when you say bless, it's hard for people like me to use that word because I'm going to let you answer this question. When you say the word bless among evangelical churches especially, where does people's mind go to first? Money. Here I go, broken record. I got a call last week from a, a big contractor asking me to go back into the sign business. Man, I can't do it. I can't do that. Begging me to go back in. I said, I can't, I can't. Or just do his. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't care if you were to give me 50. Now, you think I'm blowing smoke, and I don't care. I don't care if you were to walk up and give me $50 million. I said, man, I can't afford that. No, sir. What I saw God do this week, what I know God's about to do in this county, and I'm going to get to see it and be a part of it. Do you think, listen to me, God has blessed me so much. Listen, 
since I closed that extra stream of income, God has blessed me, and money don't have one thing to do with it. In fact, all the money I ever made can't buy what God is doing right now. And I'm telling you, but it's because I said, God, I know I belong to you, but I was somewhere right around here on a Monday night, right around here praying. I said, God, but I'm all in now. I'm, I'm, just, I'm cutting the ox goad. I'm cutting all the implements. I'm leaving them behind. I'm picking up the mantle, and I'm going, whatever, what do you want to do? I said, whatever happens with the rest of my life and the little bills that were being paid by that, that's yours too. I'm giving that to you. And do you know what? He can pay his bills pretty good. I don't know if y'all know that. So I gave them to him, and he ain't missed one yet. I ain't got no more money from the church. Don't want no more money from the church. But I'm telling you this. When I said, God, here it is. Here it is. And I don't mean my mouth. I mean my butt. I mean my hands. I mean showing up here at 1030 on Sunday or over there or coming to prayer or rolling up my sleeves, doing whatever or praying or doing whatever God says to do. I said, I'm all in. Talking is going to let a lot of people down when you stand before God one day. I said, God, I'm yours. And so when I, I, I let God buy me, fully buy me, not almost all of me, not my mind or my intentions or the lame thing, call me if you need anything by me. No, I'm going to pray and say, God, reveal to me what needs to be done here. What do they need? What's missing in their life? I'm not going to use that lame, churchy lingo let me know if I can do anything. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you ought to have enough discernment about you to know he needs money, to know she needs food, to know they need a back door hung at their house, or to know their children don't have school clothes. You don't need that stuff. And you need to ask God to deliver you from that. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I'm just preaching right now. But I'm telling you this. When you let the Lord really buy you the way I'm talking about, I'm, I'm all in, Lord. I'm all in. God will bless you, church. He'll bless you. He'll bless you. God will bless you. And I'm going to tell you, in closing, the sixth thing, I, I really shouldn't even bring this up, just let you read it and see it for yourself, but I'm going to do it, though. If you go back to the first chapter that I've already referred to when I was giving you the, high, the, the cliff notes, if you read chapter 4 now, Naomi is now too blessed to be bitter. She's too blessed. Now, I need to explain something here. Naomi's too blessed. All this that I read you, let's see, uh, starting with verse 14 about the women said to Naomi, oh, bless, bless, bless God, and, and all the stuff that went with it about her. Number one, Elimelech was her husband, but he wasn't a blood relative, not like a brother or a daddy or an uncle. So Boaz, Boaz had a, somebody's talking somewhere, and you need to help yourself out right now, okay? I'm serious, y'all. I'm not playing games here. I mean, you can do that at work or anywhere else, but hey, this is a holy time. This is reverend. I, I'm not reading People magazine to y'all. I'm preaching out the holy word of God. So we got to be reverent. Amen? That means anywhere in the building. 
I hate I have to do that when you have visitors and all that, but I want people to know I'm not trying to win awards or gold medals or silver medals. I'm here to preach the gospel of this book right here because people are going to stand before God, and if I don't do my job, I'm going to stand before God, and blood's going to be on my hands. And I, I live that every day of my life. I can't play around with you, okay? So when the Word of God's being preached, you don't need to carry on conversations anywhere in the building. Now, you forgot everything I preached today, and that just but I'm going to finish anyway. Naomi didn't have a blood relative in this. Naomi didn't have a daughter that was part of her body. That was her daughter-in-law of her deceased son. So where, where are you going with all this? I'm telling you that all of this blessing, all of this bitterness for what God... God, because of redemption, God is showing us in this Old Testament book the power of redemption. How you don't have to be the son of a preacher. You don't have to have been raised in church or a Pentecostal or a Baptist or a Methodist or Presbyterian or Catholic. You don't have to be that. See, the power of redemption, it crosses all blood barriers, all racial barriers, all denominal barriers, all, all barriers of different parts of the earth. When, when people were bought back then, then everybody that was involved in it, a.k.a. Naomi, then you got the benefit when you were bought and a part of you were bought, you got the benefit of the blessing and the inheritance. And my point this morning is to tell everybody here and anybody that still might be online, I want you to know that you qualify this morning to be blessed, and you don't have to leave here bitter because of what God did. And I know I covered it two weeks ago, but the Spirit of God is prompting me to make sure I bring this back up and revisit this again. Because, see, God can take what was so bad and negative, and He can put you in a situation where really, if we look at it with human eyes, we don't even have a right to all this. But because God's able to redeem you in a way, He can give you everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills And like I've heard He even owns all the hills Of those a thousand cattle And I want to tell you this I want to tell you that Whatever's going on in people's minds today And in your life today uh, That well I used to be a Christian Because we are being told By studies and all this mumbo jumbo We're living in a post-Christian world now I don't believe that. I believe that the Bible is very accurate when it says when the Lord is about to return that there will be a remnant. It won't be like you see uh, when it's Super Bowl Sunday and the stadium and all the world's looking. All the world will look one day and every knee will bow down and every tongue will confess. But I'm telling you right now, I don't believe it's a post-Christian world. I believe God's still redeeming today on the 25th of this month right here. 
I believe God's taking and He's searching and He's seeking all the lost, all the people that maybe thought they were saved, hope they get to heaven. Man, do you hope you get home today? I mean, like, I hope my house is there. You don't ever even think about that. You get in your car and you drive to your house. You don't hope you go to heaven one day. If you've been redeemed, you understand that's my home. I just haven't traveled there yet. I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. I don't hope I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. When I lay down at night, I don't have to pray, Oh, God, oh, God, forgive me because you know today, I know I belong to Daddy. He redeemed me. He bought me. I'm not left unredeemed. I'm not an orphan anymore. He looked at me he saw my faults he saw my needs like the song he said but I'm going to buy you my son's blood was for you so I want you and all the things that I used to be ticked off with God about and all, all of that's gone because he's blessed me I'm too blessed to be bitter this morning about what happened to me by another minister or other church or, or other Christians or what's happened to me down through the year I've been too blessed to be bitter I wouldn't go back to anything that's ever happened into my life prior to the blessings of God for any place, any amount of money, or any people because I've seen God bless me out of my bitterness and you can too if you let God redeem you. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to do something different this morning. I'm not going to call you to the altar like say, come to the altar, but you know if you need to be redeemed, and, and I'm going to put it out there, and I want to make sure everybody online, I want to make sure you understand that where you are right this minute, God can redeem you, and he wants to redeem you, and you don't need to play around with this. But if you feel like you're unredeemed or unredeemable, you blew it, the last time was the last time, and, and you're out of mulligans. Listen to me. That's one of the biggest lies that's ever been told. We are still in the age of grace. The window of grace is still open. I will admit that it's closing. It is closing. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. But while this song plays on the screen, I think we have it, or we at least have the video, I want you to hear the whole thing. We're going to start it from the beginning. I want you to listen to the words. And if that, if that hits you anywhere, then I want you to come find a place. So I'm going to get out of the way, and I'm going to let God, through that Holy Spirit, that guarantee, I'm going to let him do what he wants to do right now. So this is a very sacred time for everybody in here and be very sensitive to people around you because you don't know what they're going through with. Can you start that from the beginning, please? I, won't, I, I don't want to miss anything on this. And we're going to turn it up where you can hear it. The cruelest word coldest heart, the deepest wound, the endless dark, the lonely ache, 
bowed, every eye closed, every person that's not a believer, 
you feel left on the shelf, you feel unsaved because you are unsaved, and you're ready to be bought and owned, the King of Kings wants to buy you. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, if you're here, you can come and I'll pray with you. You're online or in the building, anywhere. If you'll say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry that I've lived my own life my way. I don't want a knowledge of you. I don't want religion. I want you and everything about you. And I give you the rest of me. I'll walk with you and I'll let more than 10 witnesses know about it. I give you me, Jesus. Not my intentions or not a facade. I give you me. You pray this and you mean it. The Lord will save you. And God, and I pray over every person here. I pray over the building. I pray, God, that you would touch the people. Lord, who may feel bitter. And they haven't gotten to that blessed part yet, Lord. God, help us to keep our eyes on you because you always know what you're doing. Help us to commit our ways to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer.